0: Welcome to the studio with Christoph Maleczak. Today is a very special day for me because I got to see one of my biggest inspirations in the flesh. Imagine being... A young child in the 90s and you wanted to be a big basketball star and you managed to go see a Michael Jordan Bulls game. And after the game, you got to go and meet Michael Jordan and see this idol of yours. And regardless of whether you became an NBA star or an accountant in an office job or or a garbage man, when you were that young nine-year-old, you got to meet your Idle. Imagine if you were young and interested in saving the environment and in justice for all and you were a huge fan of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and you got to meet Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and you felt inspired. Imagine, Imagine if you wanted to be a great movie director and producer and OMA film company. Maybe not a director, but you wanted to be a mogul in Hollywood. And you're young and you got to meet your idol, Mr. Weinstein. And, And you would just feel so inspired in that moment. Today, I got to see Tim Dillon perform live at the Comedy Works in Denver. Tim Dillon is... My favorite comedian right now. Now look, I have, I draw inspiration from, from many places. I think my biggest hero is Canadian legend Terry Fox. Let me remove the think from that statement. Terry Fox is certainly my biggest hero. I actually shed a tear when describing his accomplishment and his mission to to someone the other week. So he, he has a lot of effect on me. I certainly wouldn't cry over talking about Tim Dillon. And those lovely analogies that I painted about meeting these people, I actually didn't meet Tim Dillon. I just got to see him perform. I wasn't even particularly close to Tim Dillon. I was sitting up in the balcony because I got there a little bit late. But that's, that's fine because I I got to see Tim perform. Tim Dillon, he cuts no corners He doesn't smooth out the rough edges. He's this comedian from Long Island who just goes in hard. He has one of the few podcasts which is better than mine. In terms of quality of content, the studio is undoubtedly in the top 20 English language podcasts. And if I'm saying that Tim's podcast is better than mine, that just shows you how highly I hold it in esteem. He says things that need to be said. I look up to him. My favorite part of his comedy show was when he was talking about Greta Thunberg, that incredibly powerful, moving, young Scandinavian woman who talks about the climate. And he referred to her as being a dead-eyed little bitch. So right now, I'm feeling ramped up, ready to go. I saw Tim Dillon live. And I'm coming at you hot with today's episode of The Studio with Christoph Malachuk. Now, it, it has been some time since I've released an episode of the podcast. And for that, for that I apologize. I've been getting a lot of messages. The, the growth of the podcast was almost intimidating for me. So I had to take a bit of a break. I even had a, a listener message me say, Hey, Christoph. If you don't release an episode this Monday, I'm I'm going to kill myself. So I I what I probably should have done is I should have encouraged this listener to go seek mental help. Because that's you shouldn't be relying on this podcast for life, but instead of encouraging uh, this this listener who was feeling uh, in a very dark place to not have these episodes. Instead of encouraging him to seek mental help, I decided, no, I'm i going to keep him relying on the podcast. I'm I'm just going to give him what he wants. I'm I'm going to be the plug, giving him that sweet dose of heroin, and he's going to feel good for for two weeks before I release my my next episode, which which hopefully will be on a two week cadence. But who knows? I lead a busy lifestyle. I used to be a lifeguard. I used to be a lifeguard when I was in high school, and i I wasn't even a great lifeguard this was this was before I am the person that I am today. I was a teenager, I was sixteen, I was seventeen, but I wasn't a man yet i was I was more of a child. There was one time when I really should have jumped in the water, but I didn't I saw. This child was with his mother and the mother turned around and the kid started struggling. She had been holding before she stopped holding him and he was just barely having his mouth above water and he was flailing around and it would have been so wonderfully appropriate for me to jump in. And he was such a small child, maybe six or seven, and I could have just so easily held him above the water, brought him to the side, Just say, there you go, buddy. Tell the mother, hey, could you please look after your kid? But I didn't do any of that. I just waited until the mother turned around, which she did. She did. The the kid wasn't drowned. He might have swallowed a couple tablespoons of water. But she turned around and saved the kid, and she was horrified, and she brought him to the side of the pool. And then I went over to the mother, and I told her, you should really keep a better eye on your kid. And that wasn't the right thing to do, but at least I educated the mother. Anyhow, what this means is that in this new vocation of mine, this, this, this entertainment show that I am hosting, the studio with Christoph Malachuk, I save lives. I save more lives doing this than I did as a lifeguard. And I save more lives doing this than most lifeguards. On a more serious note, if you are suffering with mental illness, depression, ideation of suicide, a few things that I that I do recommend. Number one, keep listening to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Number two, get help from a professional. Number three, maybe take some magic mushrooms. Now look I, I know what you're thinking, Christoph. You're recommending a psychedelic to people who have depression. Well, yes, I am. Psilocybin, the psychoactive compound in magic mushrooms, is looking like more and more of a better treatment for depression than the current treatments, which right now we know that the best treatment for depression is um, therapy combined with pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, in this case, most commonly being SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And... This is a wonderful combination. Uh, Pharmaceuticals absolutely do work to help deal with depression. Depression is an awful thing. Uh, But now studies are coming out in some of these top psychology and psychiatry journals. I'm talking about Nature, getting hundreds of citations. Have you heard of Nature? Obviously you've heard of Nature. I'm talking about The Lancet, another top psychiatry journal. I'm talking about psychopharmacology. So all of these journals in the past few years, are getting these articles published from studies that are performed on people who are suffering from treatment-resistant depression, people who are suffering from anxiety because they are on their deathbed in hospital. So looking at people who have this crippling mental illness. Studies are performed in various ways, but in general, they involve the administration of a moderate to large dose of psilocybin to these people suffering from diagnosed depression and then their progress is tracked every few weeks and they look at the the long-term effects and what's being observed is that this single dose of psilocybin is leading often to the patients entering into remission meaning that their symptoms have dropped such that when they take uh, psychological inventories of their symptoms, they would no longer be considered to be suffering from depression. In other patients, they don't enter into remission, but their symptoms are greatly reduced, meaning their depression is less severe. In people who are suffering from terminal illnesses in hospitals, they are feeling more at ease with the concept of death. They're no longer suffering from stress and anxiety and depression at the at the thought and knowledge of their imminent death. This is a tremendous compound. So if you take a step back and you look at the potential positive outcomes of the consumption of psilocybin and the potential negative outcomes of the potential of psilocybin, you end up getting a very unbalanced scale. The possible negative outcomes are maybe a psychotic break, maybe a bad trip or you're scarred for some period of time. But if you consume psilocybin in a controlled environment in a ceremonious way or administered by a medical professional for the treatment of a mental illness, the potential for negative long-term effects is very small. The potential for positive effects is overwhelming. Maybe you can be pilled up on SSRIs for the rest of your life. Nothing too wrong with that. I, I mean, that can uh, make you live your life and not feel unmotivated to participate in any activity. That's that's wonderful. But when the alternative is maybe taking two high doses of psilocybin spaced out by a couple of weeks, and then you don't need to be on SSRIs again for the rest of your life. And the potential drawback is that maybe you have a bit of a negative trip, and it turns out that that plant medicine was maybe not right for you. And then you just go back on your SSRIs, and at least you tried this other remedy. Wow, that. That seems like there's a, a clear advantage to maybe uh, t- trying to take some magic mushrooms, but then you realize, oh, since 1971, mushrooms have been banned in the U.S., and since 1974, they've been banned in Canada. Well, does that does that make much sense? The tide is now shifting. I'm currently invested in a couple of psychedelic companies who are researching the drug for therapeutic. Purposes and are running clinical studies, but there's still going to be a lot of pushback against the legalization of psilocybin, even in the context of being prescribed by medical doctors, because this is not a patentable molecule. This is something that anyone can access, anyone can grow if you have the spores and the know-how. And of course, the health industry doesn't want that. They want drugs that are expensive, that are patentable, such that the people at the top of big pharma, who are, of course, rubbing shoulders with the people at the head of the government, such that they can continue to grow their wealth and keep their influence at the top of this stagnant group of elites. That's unfortunately the reality. I mean, you look at ivermectin right now. I don't want to get into that. Just Google it ivermectin COVID treatment. And, and you'll see that this, this non patentable drug is getting stifled in media coverage when top doctors around the world, who are independent, not politically affiliated with anything, are seeing very positive effects when administering this to patients. Oh, but it's a generic drug that no one owns and thus isn't making anyone any money. Same thing with psilocybin, this tremendous remedy, natural. Of course, not everything natural is healthy. But this is something that has been part of human tradition, cultural traditions as an herbal medicine for truly thousands of years. And it was decided in the 70s, just under 50 years ago, that this is a substance that shouldn't be consumed by by people. I do want to stress the importance of consuming psilocybin in a proper environment. If you're depressed, I don't suggest you go out and pop five grams of mushroom caps that could end disastrously. But it's something to think about. It's something, if you're not depressed, it's something to have at the back of your mind. Read some of the studies, read some of the literature. Even if you're not suffering from depression, there can be tremendous benefits of the consumption of psilocybin. There are papers on that too. So again, if you're suffering from any mental illness, one, continue listening to the podcast. Two, go get some professional help. And three, maybe look into the consumption of some, some magic mushrooms. Speaking of psilocybin, I was recently in New Mexico. In episode 11 of the podcast, a very good episode, I talked about my former neighbor, Duke, who gave me the book Be Here Now by Ramdas, which I talked about at length. Duke moved to New Mexico with his girlfriend, Jess. They bought a 28-acre property. And are planning to open a healing retreat there, which will involve maybe some herbal medicine, maybe other forms of healing. It's it's in the middle of the New Mexican desert, about halfway between Santa Fe and Albuquerque. The location is called Wild Mountain Rhapsody. I'll link their Instagram page in, in my bio. So they just moved there. The healing retreat is... Far from being ready for visitors to come, but I went there as part of the housewarming that they were hosting. I thought it would be really cool to go down to New Mexico. I've never been in the desert proper. I took a couple days off work and drove down. So we drove the seven-hour drive from Boulder to New Mexico, not without some car issues along the way. That's all extraneous. When I say we, it's because I went with this girl that I was seeing named Katie. I'm actually still seeing her, and we're exclusive now. Isn't that exciting? I think celebrities are told that they shouldn't, like, especially female celebrities who are known for their looks and have so many men thirsting after them, they're encouraged to not post about any guys they're seeing or their significant others because it's going to reduce the thirst or the desire of the males who are following them because there's something in the back of all these guys minds that they might be able to obtain this supermodel they might be able to get her to to fall in love with them or they at least like the idea that she's available so they're they're all hoping that i don't know kylie kardashian will will fall in love with them so then, Kylie Kardashian, or name any Instagram supermodel. I don't really follow many Instagram supermodels. Um, they're they're encouraged to not post photos of their of their loved ones or their significant others. So now I should maybe be a bit concerned that I've revealed that I'm seeing this girl because all of my my female fans. By the way, if I look at my demographics, for some reason. I have roughly three times as many male listeners as female listeners, which I don't understand because, as I have been informed, one of the biggest appeals of my podcast—this is hardly a podcast, by the way. It's an entertainment show, first and foremost—one of the biggest appeals of this entertainment show is the silky quality of my voice. Maybe not even silky, but just the the voice sounds nice. It draws you in. You just want to listen, so apparently all my male audience digs that and they outnumber the, the woman three to one. And now these, these women are just going to drop off like flies. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Because what I actually hope and what I believe is that my audience, both the men and women, appreciate the entertainment show not because of that they, that they see me as a sexual object, although I'm sure some of them do but because the content is expansive to their lives, and they dig that. So thank you for listening, regardless of your gender. Tangent aside, when we arrived at the property in New Mexico, this 28 acres of land truly in the middle of the desert, very few other properties around, the the Wild Mountain Rhapsody house, which is an enormous house at the top of this hill, is not even accessible by car, or at the very least not my car. We had to park the car on the side of the road probably about one and a half kilometers from the actual house and then Duke came with his old Toyota pickup truck and, and took us all the way up to the to the Healing Retreat Center. It's an incredible place. the The house is on The crest of a hill and it's overlooking endless kilometers of empty valley. It's just desert. There's no grass to be seen, it's just sandy dirt with bushes, these kind of scraggly bushes spaced every few meters apart and that's all you see for kilometers and kilometers and kilometers. There's some mountains in the distance. You can see the shape of some valleys. You can see a, a town far away, but there's just emptiness and stillness. It's the desert, it's beautiful. The house has no running water right now. They might fix that, they might try to get it well, I'm not sure, anyhow, no running water. They just got some solar panels set up, so there's a, a bit of electricity. The day after we arrived, we went on a big hike to explore the property. Duke and Jess had been there for a couple of weeks, but they had been so busy setting up the house that they hadn't yet even walked around and explored this 28 acres of property. So for them, it was exciting. For me, it was exciting to be walking around the desert. So we went on this multi-hour hike, and it was a beautiful day. the fact that it was just a bit cloudier than usual so it wasn't this direct glaring desert sun it was wonderful to walk around the air was still there were cacti everywhere that was so cool to me you have to be very careful of where you're walking because you might always step on a cactus there were cool insects there were cool rocks we heard coyotes howling we howled back at the coyotes it was exceptional We got back to the house after many hours, and then seeing as this is a healing retreat, maybe one could even say an herbal medicine healing retreat, or certainly a retreat that will involve herbal medicine, it seemed appropriate to consume some herbal medicine. Some time after consuming the herbal medicine, the sky, this beautiful blue desert sky, which is certainly one of the most beautiful skies that you've ever seen, began to take on these fractal-like patterns, and the mountains far in the distance, which were dotted with these bushes, the bushes began to ebb and flow in this beautiful wave-like pattern. The sight was so beautiful. I was staring at it endlessly. I couldn't take my eyes away. My eyes began to water, and I wondered what was going on, and then I realized that I hadn't even been allowing myself to blink. Because I didn't want to not see the beauty of the land for even a split second. It was tremendously beautiful. But I was, I was in the clothes that I had been in for this hike and I wanted to change out of them. So I, I went up to the room where we were staying on the, the second floor of the house. And I was trying to find some clothes to put on but there weren't any clothes that I wanted to wear. And then I saw this Tibetan tapestry that was on the ground. It had been used as, as a rug or a mat, just this thin cloth tapestry. And I knew this was perfect. This was exactly what I wanted to wear. So I wrapped it around myself. I, I took off my shirt, I took off my shorts. So I was just wearing my undergarments and then wrapped in this robe. And I began to feel so regal. I walked down to the kitchen, people were gathered there, and I announced that the holiest kings to have ever lived could only aspire to be this royal. And I meant it. It wasn't a it wasn't a statement of grandiosity. It was just a statement of of what I believed to be true. What what could what could actually not even be otherwise? I I was in this state of of just sheer royalty. I went back out onto the deck and was looking at the same view that had mesmerized me before, and it was it was as beautiful as ever. And I'm in my robe and clothes. Clothes seem so silly because I was feeling so so royal. I was feeling so holy. How could how could any garment conceal this? this being that I, that I am, that I was. And I'm looking at this view, and it's stunning, and I, I realize that every passing moment is the greatest moment that I had ever experienced. Every single moment was greater than the last moment and was greater than any moment that I had ever had. And this made me immensely powerful, impossibly powerful. Because when every single moment is the greatest moment you've ever had, then you're hanging on to nothing. You have no attachment to what was. You have no longing for something in the future. You are utterly rooted in the present because how could you not be when every single experience, when every single part of the present is the greatest thing that has ever happened? So I was feeling this incredible sense of power. I was wrapped in my holy robes and I was feeling so pure, so powerful, so holy, so noble, so royal, so regal, so true. And that's when I realized that I was God. Now that's a, that's a crazy thing to say. That's a crazy thing to say. But the best part of this is that it wasn't just me who was God. I didn't have this delusion of of grandeur, of being on this pedestal above all other mere mortals. No, no, no. It became clear to me that everyone else was also God. We were all the same. We were all God. That's an incredible realization. That's so powerful. I was messaging with one of my friends after this this trip to New Mexico, and I, I was telling her about it. now. Now she hasn't had any experiences like this, but she's uh, a wonderful person. She's very open minded, and and she she understands that uh, that maybe I've been going on a bit of a spiritual journey, or at least have interest in in some in the types of things where it's not totally outlandish that I would declare that I realized that I was God. So she, she responded, saying, oh, that's, that's wonderful that, that you were a God. And I, I had told her that she too was, was God. She said it, and it's, and it's uh, I'm so happy to hear that I, I am a God as well. And I was thinking, ah, you're not quite getting it. I wasn't a God and you weren't a God. That, that, that article is the issue. I was God, and you are God. God as in Christ, God as in Buddha, God as in just the, the most powerful, pure force that you can imagine. We're all one, and we are all that. These realizations are somewhat challenging to convey, the book Be Here Now by Ram Dass gave me the vocabulary that I needed to be able to describe what I was experiencing. If I, if I hadn't read his book, I, I would have experienced the same sensations, but I wouldn't have been able to articulate what it was that I was feeling. I, I don't think I would have been able to understand that this, this power, this pureness, this holiness was indeed me realizing that, that I was God. So I was so fortunate to have a couple weeks prior to this New Mexican experience to have read a text which gave me the ability to understand and then convey what it was that, that I was feeling and, and that was happening. Uh, that being said, even with this vocabulary that I learned, this experience, if you haven't had it, there aren't words that really can be used to convey the understanding. And if you have had it, there are no words necessary to communicate the experience. And as I was having this experience, the others there were either having the, the same experience themselves, they'd also consumed the herbal medicine, that or they had been familiar with the herbal medicine from their uh, past exposure to the, to the substance. So when I... Declare that I was God and that they too were God. They all understood it. They all agreed. They didn't think it was crazy. No, they they knew it was true. It was almost like, well, why you don't need to say this? We, we know. We know we're God. We know you're God. And if I'm to get a little bit conspiratorial, I think that this this realization, these, these er, the reason that these herbal medicines. Are some of them are illegal or challenging to access in much of the world, especially in North America, particularly Canada and the U.S. The reason that some of these herbal medicines are uh, illegal is because they let people understand just how powerful they are. If you come to the realization that you're God. You begin to understand that you can that you don't have to follow this rigid path that has been laid out for you. Oh, you are born, you go to grade school, you go to high school, you go to university, you get a degree, you get a job, you work for thirty to forty years, you retire. Uh, At some point during this process, you have uh, children, you send your children to grade school, then high school, you really encourage your children to go to university, because that's what it means to be successful, and then you encourage your children to then get a job as well, and this this structure of control where, where you are going to these institutions where certain knowledge is going to be put into your head, but who determines what this knowledge is, I mean, the the elites of the country and the top of academia, there are so many channels of communication there. You're kept within this structure. Now, of course, the structure is incredibly beneficial to so many people because one needs to be educated, one needs to work, the country needs people to work for it to continue functioning. Yes, the 10, 10 million reasons why this is... Uh, there's a lot of good reason for this structure to exist, but for it to be presented as the only way or as the the only way that is a successful path, that's that's flawed. And if you, if you come to the realization that you're God and realize that you're that powerful, you can then realize that you don't need to live your life according to this structure that others have dictated. You can take ownership for your action and your path. Actually, what's crazy is that the adoption of responsibility, maybe taking the responsibility for choosing your own way, taking on this additional burden is actually what gives you freedom. Responsibility leads to freedom. That's an insane thing. And God takes on a lot of responsibility. And hey, If you come to the realization that you're God and you choose to keep your office job, well then guess what? God works at an office job, and that's pretty sweet. It's way cooler to be working at an office job as God than it is to be working at an office job as anything else really. God is a janitor. God is an engineer. God is an artist. If you take a sip of beer, well guess what? God drinks beer too. So a huge thank you to Duke and Jess for the wild time in New Mexico. I've certainly taken a lot away from that experience. The household was just filled with love and gratitude and light. And I am utterly convinced that they will be tremendously successful in the establishment and bring up and running of their healing retreat. I had a buddy say to me, Christoph, I really love your show. My girlfriend doesn't, so I don't listen to it when she's around. I said, that's all right, man. You should break up with her. And that's that is truly what he should do. He should break up with her now because that's just a sign of bad taste. If if you like the studio, and Lechuk, this tremendous entertainment show, and your significant other doesn't, isn't that a red flag? If your significant other came home and they have this kind of like black – tar-like substance around their mouth you're like hey good to see you like what's going on they're like oh oh sorry i i just saw some uh some asphalt that was being like laid on the street and it was still like wet it hadn't set yet Um, There's like the construction crew there and I just like I just ate some of this asphalt like that would be a red flag like you would you would really consider exiting that relationship because that's nuts that's crazy that's in poor taste and not liking the studio is in poor taste so this could be a good litmus test if you if you're dating someone play them an episode of the studio with Krzysztof Milichuk and if they don't like it Bye-bye, and you're welcome. You just got out of that that relationship way earlier than you would have had you not used this, this wonderful tool with which I'm providing you. But I thank you. I thank you truly for listening and supporting the studio with Christoph Malachuk. I thank you for rating on Apple Podcasts, writing a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps with the algorithm. Uh, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Instagram at Malaychuk, that's my last name, at M-A-L-E-J-C-Z-U-K. Continue to tell your friends, tell your parents. If your grandmother has like an iPad or something, tell her about this, she should be listening. Um, Tell, if you're in university, tell your uh, professors. If you're in university, maybe also drop out. I'll catch you next time. This is The Studio with Krzysztof Malachuk.